Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And this is our 103rd official episode. It is currently February 12th, Thursday, 6 p.m. So the trade deadline passed three hours ago. There's still some small news rolling in, but the main things, the main pieces have fallen. Uh, we have a ton of big names moving today. James Harden, Ben Simmons. Uh, and in, in the past days, we had CJ McCollum, Karis LeVert, Tyrese Halliburton, DeMontis Savonis, Chris Sassford, Zingas, Spencer Dinwiddie. Insane. Definitely yeah. one of the no, best it's, over the past few years. I, I I agree. There there was a lot of buzz about like would this be a trade deadline where there was a lot of hype and then everything kind of just busted. And it I I was talking to my friend on the bus like five minutes before the James Harden trade happened, and we were sort of like, was this all just sort of like talk? And now it's just not going to happen in time. You know what I mean? And then like as I'm getting off the bus, like the notification comes through and it happened. You know what I mean? So it was. We were, I think we were like not that far off this being sort of like all talk and then nothing and then kind of falling flat. But no, like this, this, as you said, turned out even in the last like couple hours, right before the three o'clock at February 10th deadline to be one of the best in recent memory. So we got a lot to talk about this episode. Really excited to get into it. Um, Let's start off with the James Harden trade though. That's the big Uh, one, the highlight. So anecdotally, I was taking an econ test from one or from 1230 to 145. Uh, on my laptop and then I just see like all of a sudden my, my text start blowing up on my laptop and you know it's like a, it's a big test I have to do my I'm like bro like there was there was rumors with Harden like as I was getting ready to take, to take the mm-hmm. thing so like I couldn't help myself I, I went to the text I just see you at the top of it all caps yeah. I love the NBA no no context whatsoever I'm like <laughs> bro it happened it happened and so with like 20 minutes remaining like all I can think of with this test I'm like I wonder what the package is like I wonder you know what they had to yeah. give up for Harden uh they had to give up a lot for Harden. No, I, the I've I've been, what I've been saying like all day sort of since the trade happened is Brooklyn won this trade, and and I I, I believe I like I, I believe that like pretty firmly. But at the same time, I think if you're Philadelphia, like the bar to like for it not to be a loss for you is actually not that high. As in in terms of like value for value. Brooklyn walked out of here with an all-defensive first-team player, a guy who's a top 25 player in the NBA when he's playing, right? Uh, Seth Curry, who's not all-star caliber guard, um, not even, I guess not even not even that close to all-star caliber guard, but is a easily like a starting guard in the NBA, will come in and supplement their guard rotation next to Patty Mills and next to Kyrie Irving, especially for the games where Kyrie Irving doesn't play. Incredibly important, incredibly useful. Dude's like has like the highest career three point percentage like pretty much ever. Like he's a he's a he's a menace, right? Like a huge addition. Um, I know we talked about this earlier a little bit before the podcast, but even just the addition of Andre Drummond. So it's, this is a three for one, right? Three guys who could arguably be starters. Andre Drummond obviously was coming behind Joel Embiid, so he hasn't been starting for the 76ers. Might not start for the Nets because they have Claxton, they have Lamarcus Aldridge, but you just picked up by like 
you know, rebounds per 36 minutes or like rebound percentage, whatever, pretty much the best rebounder in the NBA right now, right? He's not going to give you too much on defense. He's not going to give you too much on offense. Sometimes he thinks he's Jokic out there with the passes. Like oftentimes Andre Drummond looks like he's doing too much or he's trying to do too much. But in terms of just straight up rebounding for a, a Brooklyn Nets team that we've been saying since they trade away, Jared Allen has been in desperate need of like some rebounding and defense from the big position, got a great rebounder. So on, on top of all of that, also just got two first round picks. I think that package, if you're the Nets, like, and you have to trade Harden, great. You're thrilled with that. Yeah. So for context, the two first round picks are Philadelphia's unprotected first round pick for this upcoming draft with the right to defer to 2023, which they honestly, they might do because Philly is going to be pretty freaking good with Embiid and Harden. Uh, as well as a top eight protected 2027 first round pick. So th- who knows what, you know, Philly is going to look like back then um, all, all the way in five years from now. That being said, this is basically a three for one. Technically it's a three for two uh, because the Brooklyn Nets also gave up Paul Millsap, but at this point, but he wasn't in Paul- the Nets rotation, right? Yeah. The, yeah. the talk was that the Nets were going to buy out Paul Millsap, but they had, that they had agreed they were either going to buy him out or trade him at the deadline because he was no longer in the rotation. Yeah. And there was a report so, from like a month ago. Yeah. So he's basically a, a zero in the sense, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first round picks. So where, where my mind originally wandered was, okay, if you like, does this speak more about James Harden or about Ben Simmons? Uh, like, you know, like what could Ben Simmons have gone for? Because he's been on the trade block for a year now. There's been yeah. talk, there, there had been talks of CJ McCollum, but you know, instead you get James Harden. But then my mind also wonders, like, yeah, but you know, they're also throwing in like another great player, two two picks, and and another solid player. So I don't know if this actually tells us about you know were they smart to hold Ben Simmons that long? I just think it speaks a lot to the fact that they went all in, including Ben Simmons, packaging him for James Harden, who, again, when at his peak, top five player in the league. Joel Embiid finally gets his perimeter score. Now, when I say perimeter score, I mean a guy who is going to create and actually score from the outside because perimeter scoring, Jimmy Butler was totally that guy. Um, And even Tobias Harris is a little bit that guy. Seth Seth Curry, but but prior to this, like Seth Curry was his, Seth Curry and Tyrese Maxey were Joel Embiid's pick and roll partners. And now you have James Harden coming in. That is like unequivocally a big upgrade, right? And, and and so that's that's huge. And I think that one of the things that was really important in this deal happening for the 76ers was that they got to keep Maxi. I think this deal was probably the similar deal was probably on the table if they traded Maxi, not Curry, and didn't give up the two first round picks. But I, I think if you had offered if there had been these same two packages and it was like Daryl Morey can either choose to keep Maxi or keep or, or or keep Curry in the two first round picks, he keeps Maxi. Um, I think they're that high on Tyrese Maxey. And I think that's the reason that this deal didn't happen like over the summer. Right. So this was one of the things that I criticized the 76ers a lot for this year. Right. And, and I, and I, so I feel like I actually owed Daryl Morey a bit of an apology, even though I'm saying that Brooklyn won this deal. I was saying like, how did the 76ers mess this up to the point that like they could have had James Harden in a trade for Ben Simmons, passed it up and then sat on him for half a season. Well, they still got James Harden, right? Like that's like the, the like what if of like you almost like, like Daryl Morey still pulled it off. So kudos to him for that. There's got to be on a very, on a very sidetrack and we don't have to go into this. Like there's going to have to be a tampering investigation though. Dude. Yeah. I was about to say that it, it's, 
it has to be all but guaranteed. Yeah. Right? Like this this sounded like it was freaking free agency, the way that James Harden uh, And it's just I hate the way that James that the, the report came out that it was like James Harden wants out, but he's not going to request Ridiculous. a trade. He's afraid of public backlash. Ridiculous. Like you just requested a trade if the public found out about it, right? Like for all intents and purposes, like if you request a tr- if you don't request a trade, but Woj reports that you want to trade, you're just too afraid to say you want to trade. You request the trade, like yeah, and and also like someone tells Woj that that happened. The reason that Woj and Shams can get into these positions is because they kind of make deals with players that it's kind of like a mutual thing. It's like, you know, like if you want something to leak, I'll leak it for you. But when I want to lead, you also help me out. James Harden, in all likelihood, either like gave the thumbs up or was the actual one that gave Woj that tweet. So the de- the deliberate asterisk of, you know, but I I don't want you guys to be mad at me. Like that's that's the epitome of, uh here's my opinion my bad like like don't please please don't be mad yeah which is which is weird to say from a professional uh who you know makes millions of dollars every year but i guess that's it's a, what we subject him to with all the scrutiny it's a classic like no offense but it's like no like just don't just saying no offense before it doesn't change yeah, what you say after right yeah no it's it's a really fascinating situation that like this is this is a team that i think before this trade in the nets like a lot of people would have considered to be the favorites to win the NBA title this year, despite all the turmoil and whatever has been going on. Um, and, and by the way, like I was just talking up James Harden in our all-star draft last episode. So as much as people are like, Oh, you know, James Harden's wash. He's not the player that he was not as big of a deal for the Brooklyn Nets at face value as you might think, because he's not playing that well this season. Like, I mean, I, I'm still a believer that like James Harden is still James Harden uh, situation. Circumstances have changed. Like you put him with Kevin Durant the, the the Nets have had guys in and out of the rotation all season. Like, I know one report was that uh, Harden was upset with the way the spacing was, like with the Nets. But like Joe Harris has missed a lot of time, for example, right? And Joe and Joe Harris is like a lot of time. consistently above forty percent free throw or three point shooter. So it's a really like I, I'm I hope they do a thirty for thirty someday on like how this whole situation came about. That it was like both Ben Simmons and James Harden wanted out so bad that both teams were desperate enough to like make this deal happen. Because in some ways it makes no sense. And in other ways, like just situationally, it makes a ton of sense. Um, I'm really excited because I think, I think the, one of the things that I, I think both teams kind of benefit from this, even though I, I'm saying that Brooklyn won because Brooklyn gets a lot of depth here. I already mentioned that you, now you have a three guard rotation of Curry, Patty Mills and Kyrie Irving. That's sick, right? You still, you still have Kevin Durant and, add some rebounding in, in Andre Drummond, who like I think I think their big man position was probably their was probably their weakest the the, the Nets before this, relying on a on a well past his prime Lamarcus Aldridge and a Nicholas Claxton who's well before his prime and still very raw. Having somebody who's like I guess sort of like in between those two and Andre Drummond. Um just just to throw something different out there. Like I just think there's this is this is just a, a much deeper team than it was yesterday. I, I think it's a much deeper team but specifically Andre Drummond, I don't really think offers much yeah. for them. I don't think he's a game changer by any means. Like, yes, he's the best rebounder in the NBA or like top three or whatever. But that's probably the least unique or least valuable individual main skill that you can have in this league. That's sure. why, you know, like seven years ago, he was an all-star and now he's a backup. You know, he didn't get particularly much worse on either end. It's just his utility became 
less you know important to NBA mm-hmm. teams. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't really offer that much on the office offensive end. He tries to do too much a lot of the time. Um, tries to make passes that aren't there. Oftentimes have having a few Shaq no fool m- moments. And then on the defensive end, he honestly can be a, re- a revolving door. Um, I remember it started way back when Joel Embiid like sunned him on national TV. Yeah, but just in general. Like I, I don't mean to uh, rail on the guy too much because like I think he's a good backup big man. But I don't think he's some sort of answer for the Brooklyn Nets. Like if I'm looking, no, you're right. You're like, right. Out, out of out of both first round picks, Andre Drummond, Ben Simmons, and uh, Seth Curry, I think he is the least valuable asset out of all of them by far. Sure. Or at sure. Least the, the, no, the least valuable. I just mean to have a third center that's playable is like is good, right? Like he he was like he was coming off the bench behind Joel Embiid, but like he's playable. You know what I mean? Like that's so I just think like. De- the depth that you're getting here, right, and the defense that you're adding, I, I think is I think is really good. I-, I think I think one of the criticisms for the Nets has always been like there's only one ball. We we only watched by by the way the big three play 16 games together. You know what I mean? Sure. So like like will, will we ever really know like what what that would have looked like? Like not to not to its full extent. But a lot of the criticisms, a lot of the things you could have said like okay, their defense, their rebounding, their depth, their their shooting. Like I think they added a little bit to all of those things. Right, like, and maybe you lose a little bit of playmaking. Uh, James Harden's averaging ten assists per game. Maybe you lose a little bit of uh, shot creation, but like, you lose shot creation to a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like, I, I like this move for I like this move for Brooklyn. I think it makes Brooklyn a lot more dangerous. And I've been talking more about Brooklyn than I've been talking about Philly. But the one-two punch of James Harden and Joel Embiid is absolutely nuts. And don't think for a second. Don't get caught thinking that James Harden is like washed, is like not the player that he was four years ago. Like, if you think that James Harden's going to come out and like punch you in the mouth, like I'm, I'm sitting here almost guaranteeing it. Like this, the Seventy Sixers are going to be a legit threat to come out of the East this year, like on the back of Joel Embiid, but also like on James Harden being like his his right hand man, like running the show. Yeah, and honestly, I think James Harden is definitely going to play better than he has even in the first half of the season, which is still an all-star caliber caliber level because he's going to have the reins again. Whereas Mm -hmm. before he was a definitive definitive B to Kevin Durant. And I just don't think that really works for him. That's not to say that's like a character thing or that's not a bash on him. It's just, you know, he's good at certain things and less good at, at other things. You know, he's still like led the league in assist, but we weren't seeing MVP Harden or we weren't even seeing all NBA first or second team James Harden. Right. And I think that will change because he will be bringing up the ball every time on the court. Um, If someone's attacking from the perimeter, it's going to be him. He's going to be the guy who's the maestro. um, And I think Joel Embiid can play off of that just as James Harden will play off of Joel Embiid in a way that is more fluid and more defined. It's cooperative. It's cooperative because there's a big and then there's a guard. Whereas it's the classic Shaq Kobe, whereas, right? Like, yes. whereas, whereas yeah. in Brooklyn, it was, you know, we're all three on the perimeter. It's weird. It's kind of just you pass and then you just kind of stand there while they go to work on the perimeter. And by the way, there's I think no taking turns with James Harden and Joel Embiid. Everything, yeah. everything should be fluid and both. together. Right. And, and I think part of the thing with James Harden is like a lot of Windhorse reporting the last couple of days was about like, look at the effort that James Harden put in. Like he played all these minutes and he only scored four points. And that's like not even mentioning his defense. There was some report that was like that. And so I definitely butchered that that quote. But it's like, 
James Harden, I think, consistent. And there was there was also it happened in Houston right before he like asked it of Houston, where he just like stopped trying. As much as I like, I hate that as a basketball fan. James Harden has shown that like when he wants out, when he's not happy with the way things are going, because I do think that he's a bit of a like locker room problem, complaining like I need my way, or I'm I'm just like not gonna try, and I'm gonna be like kind of pissy. Like I do think though, when he's happy and when he thinks he's like the one like leading the winning and in like in getting the credit, like I think he's still one of the best players in the NBA. The duo of James Harden and Joel Embiid as a guard and big man duo, I think has to be the best since Kobe and Shaq in terms of just talent. Cause I'm, I'm trying to think what like, well, like Dwayne placement Wade in like Shaq. the old time. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, like Dwayne Wade and Shaq in like Oh six, but like, like, Present-day Joel Embiid is better than 06 Shaq. Um, you know, like, that guy was – he was an all-star. He wasn't an all-NBA player, I don't think. Uh, well, Shaq could Joel be – sorry. Joel Embiid, like, at least before this trade, was, like, an MVP frontrunner. Yeah. Maybe the MVP frontrunner, right? So, like – and that'll also be another thing to watch is, like, like Joel Embiid is on a tear right now. Does that get amplified or does that get – uh I guess sort of like nullified by the by the Harden. Yeah, I, I think it'll I take it'll take a few games to get used to because again, Harden dribbles the air out of the ball. Uh, you know, he's great at it, but he dribbles the air out of the ball, and so that yeah. disrupts the offense. And then the offense will reform and it'll be resculpted somewhat around James Harden. And I think that'll be great. I I honestly think that before this trade, because they were getting zero utility out of Ben Simmons, I would have had Philly in terms of like East power rankings. I would have that I would have had them at like five behind uh, behind the Bucks, the Nets, the Heat, the Bulls, um, probably in that order. Honestly, uh, maybe switch the Nets and the Bucks. Now I now I have Philly at three. I I think Bucks and Nets are neck and neck, yeah. and Philly Philly's a very close three. Like if you're, I would say I would say that three is like in a category of their own too. Like the Heat, yeah, and, the, and Heat, I don't, the Heat are dangerous, but I don't think they have the same. Like they just don't have the same talent level. To be honest with you. Yeah, and, and and that wasn't that wasn't true before, right? No, agreed. And both of these Lowe. both of these teams, I think, are are like a step up from where they were, especially yeah. Philly, I think. But 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 I think Brooklyn is is improved from yesterday, just yeah. because I think that it, there's like some questions answered. Yeah. Um, and and, and, and like I, I guess said, overall, go ahead, go ahead. Like you said, like Brooklyn won the trade. That does not mean that Philly lost the trade. I think yeah. like both teams, it was symbiotic. Like both teams, significantly better. Um, I think that I probably had the Bucks coming out of the East before this trade. I think, I, I you know, we're going to have to see how it meshes. I think the Nets are going to have a better record than they would have if they just stayed out. Like, I think they're just going to, like, go on a, a, like, almost like a Warriors-like tear at the beginning of the season or, like, a Suns when they won, like, 12 in a row. I think that's going to happen wow. with the Nets at some point. And you're going to, like, the Ben Simmons hate is going to go away. Uh, because, by the way, Ben Simmons with – a lot more shooting lethal uh, yeah but i i so i think those two and the bucks are definitely in a tier of their own and i i can't wait for the playoffs it's gonna be amazing yeah the, the other thing about the about the ben simmons thing is like the bar is significantly lowered for what's a loss the trade because ben simmons is not going to play at all this season one of the things that i that i've been saying earlier when we were talking about simmons rumors was you're looking at a prime joel Embiid who is healthy like this is the longest stretch with healthy Joel Embiid that we've ever seen. And it's also the best season of Joel Embiid we've ever seen at the same time. 
if you don't take advantage of that by taking, by, by like trading a very valuable asset who has not played a minute for you yet this season and just turning it into something, that's a loss, right? So even if you have to give up more value than you got in return to to get Ben Simmons off off the court, like it, you turned a zero in terms of on court value, but but that was a very high off court value into just like all on court value, right? Even if it's not equivalent. So that's what I'm saying is like in terms of just like one for one, Brooklyn wins the value here, but Philly was also in the more desperate situation. And so like, I, I'm also not considering it a loss for them. I give this, you know, like a, a probably like a B or better for both teams. I like, right. Like that's, I, I'm, I'm very optimistic. For both. I think this wow. is the best that's case a, scenario. I, we'll have to see. Like, I, I think it's, I think it's too early to call. Like, as you said, we have to see how everything meshes, but um I think everybody here is happy with this outcome, right? Like Daryl Morey and James Harden, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. The only the only guy that I'm I'm curious about is is Kevin Durant. And I know there's already been reports that like Ben Simmons and, and Kevin Durant have talked, but like it seemed like Kevin Durant was trying to convince James Harden to stay. The report was that like Steve Nash is like, now you know James Harden's not getting traded, which is also strange, by the way. Um, so I, I'm just. I, there's it seems like kind of all parties here are happy except for Kevin Durant which is just interesting to watch I'm not sure yeah um so you give it B or above I'm probably going a both teams uh, I yeah am a huge fan of this and I think this is one of the trades we can truly see that both teams won who won more probably whoever wins a ring first because one of these teams probably gonna win a ring in the next three years um Man, I would think. it's Although it's very possible right place. NBA's a crazy yeah. place. I don't even know. Yeah. And it's, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on because I know – I forget even who it was. Somebody said today, though, on TV – I think it was Stephen A. Smith said that, like, this could be the worst, worst day of, like, Gerald Morey's career. I think that's BS. Like, that, yeah. I, mean, that's, I think that's a terrible take. Like, even if this doesn't work out, like, you, you turned a terrible situation in Ben Simmons into – what the like the fourth best shooting guard of all time or something like that like it's like 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 okay like let's be realistic here you know what i mean um and if it doesn't work out like i didn't see that coming i think james harden and joel Embiid are a match made in heaven we'll see though i agree, I agree. The pick let's let's move on to the next trade the other one from the other one from today the other big blockbuster because you won't get to every single trade there's just too much that happened is christos porzingis being sent to washington i think this one holds a little bit of extra value to us as knicks fans because we were upset when he got traded to to Dallas. So so what are your thoughts on him being in Washington now? So yeah, this kind of blew my mind at first because at face value, I would think that Chris Porzingis would be the more valuable asset versus Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, especially because Spencer Dinwiddie has had his worst season in like at least three years this year. Um, just from, from when he's been healthy. Yeah, from when he's yeah, been healthy. Because he missed a lot of last year. Yeah. Um, his efficiency has been down. Uh, there's talks about how he's just not gelling with Washington. Uh, there's locker room problems. And so we probably expected Dinwiddie to get traded today. I did not expect Chris Porzingis to get traded today. While there's urgency in Dallas to do something different to help out Luka Doncic, especially with the injury of Tim Hardaway Jr., I did not expect them to just, you know, blow up the the two-man group that, you know, when, when us Knicks fans were sad about Porzingis going away, all everyone on the internet was like, "Oh, these two these two white dudes are gonna run the league for the next ten years." How, you know, how's that looking right now? You know, you you got back, you know, two guys who are probably overpaid, 
and you had to give up a second round pick to do it. It's Chris Dasperzinga's second round pick for Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. Davis Bertans on a really bad contract. Ever since he was a sniper for the San Antonio Spurs like four years ago, he got uh, like a four-year, $64 million contract with the Wizards, and he's been overpaid ever since. He hasn't really done much. So he's more of a liability than an asset. Hopefully they can rekindle it. That would be great because he was the, the Latvian laser, they call him, uh, was really money back in the day. But this just this really surprised me because apparently they also had been trying to move KP all day with no takers, or at least not no takers, but no viable suitors. And so nothing better is, than this, yeah. yeah. And so this is what they got. This they is what, what they got stuck with. I, I think this is a this is an absolute W for the Wizards, because especially if you're trying to get yeah. younger. Um, well, I and also for the Mavs. And also the, the, the we were the reports were that like the Wizards were going to try to do something at this deadline to convince Bradley Beal to stay. If you're going to convince do something to convince him to stay, like trading for Chris Porzingis is that it's name power, it's star power, it's like fans want to watch that power. That's that's a lot more of like a of an exciting just piece and, and guy to be playing with, I think, than than Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans are, um, including for the reasons you said, which were that. Spencer Dinwiddie came out and said something along the lines of he tried to come in and be a leader when he first got to Washington and just kind of got shut down. That's like, yeah. so So as much as we're talking about like Spencer Dinwiddie's having a down year, it also seems to me like that was kind of forced on him, right? Like I think he just like from the jump just did not gel, just did not fit. Um, and, and, and a couple of years ago, like on the Nets, you know, pre, pre Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and all that, when it was like him and D'Angelo Russell was like, not so far off being an all-star. It was a 20-point-per-game score. And I don't think it's going to be completely out of the question that he approaches something like that again with, with the Dallas Mavericks, who I think are in need of some more, like, playmaking, ball handling. Like, like, like the, the, the narrative was, like, the, the Mavericks need to go after a playmaker and ball handler at this deadline. And that's what they got in Spencer Dinwiddie. And in a pretty, like, tall one at that, which I think is, I think is also good because he can't, he's not mutually exclusive with – uh, Jalen Brunson, right? Because I think the I think the problem you could run into is like, can you run a lineup that has two guards and like one of them is Jalen Brunson, right? Because you're going to want I think two out of the three of Spencer Dinwiddie, Luka Doncic, and Jalen Brunson on the court most of the time. Um, one thing that uh, my friend Ayush here talked about once this deal was made, uh, and I never would have thought about this, but I think it's a pretty good observation, is that Spencer Dinwiddie is like watered, watered, watered down version of Luka Doncic sort of um in that they're technically point guards uh but you wouldn't think of it based off of their size because they're you know tall they're both like six six uh Luka's probably a little wider than Spencer Dinwiddie but they're both pretty strong like they can throw their bodies around Luka's probably a more of a passer than Spencer Dinwiddie is but you know Spencer's been playing the point guard position for the last five years uh and they both are kind of like slower but more methodical scorers and so maybe they work side by side, but maybe that's a little too redundant for the Mavericks. I don't know. I mean, I see what you're getting at. And also it feels like heinous to compare Spencer Dinwiddie to Luka Doncic. Um, like but what, but I, I guess, uh, yeah, like, I guess I see what you're saying. Um, going back to, to Dallas Bertans, like, I don't know what's going on with him because like he's a 40% three point shooter on his career and is shooting 31% this season. Right. So as you said, has not been the Latvian laser, um, but you know, hopefully he bounces back. Hopefully with a, a playmaker like Luka Doncic on his team, like 
you're going to get open shots. You're going to get open threes, right? Like just go, yeah. go stand in the corner and like, he's going to find you. Um, so I, I don't know. I can, they're, I can way, see this. They're, they're, they're replacing one Latvian with another, <laughs> like one yeah. super tall Latvian sniper with another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Coming off years. Yeah. And Kristaps is great, but, but a lot of the, a lot of the, I guess sort of responses to this trade have been like, there was, there was one quote and I, I wish I knew who it was from, but it was, it was funny and it was good. It was like, I start paying attention to who you listen to. <laughs> I know. I, I, it, was, I, I, it's, it was scrolling through Twitter and I see all this stuff, but it was like, I should, I should start saving it. But, but somebody was like, he's called the unicorn because you don't see him very often, which is, which is to say like, he's the unicorn, right? Like he's incredible, but like, in flashes right like like once every like 10 games he's the unicorn you know what i mean i thought that was a reference to him being injured all the time it's it's that too it's that too it's the fact that like there was also like the mavericks tweeted like yesterday or two days ago like see you soon christmas Porzingis, while he was like injured like on the bench right and he like was like he like was like dribbling a ball on the sideline in like street clothes Uh, you know what i mean and so it's like it's like the reference like they were like okay like can't wait to like have you back from injury and they traded him uh so it's like I think it was I think it was on freezing cold takes on Instagram being like, yeah, like that's no longer true. Can't wait to have this guy back in a Mavs uniform. So it's it's both, right? It's like it's the injuries and it's the fact that like he's inconsistent as hell. Like Chris S. Porzingis does not have right now the confidence, the killer mentality to think that he had in New York to just like where you would see him just block a shot off of the backboard, pin somebody on one end, and then like sprint down the court in the other and like dunk from like wait, like you know, three steps out for most people from the from the basket. I don't know. It, there's just there's a level of like drive, hunger, fire that I think he's that he's missing, and that's all very like cliche and arbitrary. But okay. I hope I hope for his sake because I'm actually I actually really am a Kristaps fan. That like that's something that he can rekindle in Washington because you know for Bradley Beal's sake and for the organization's sake, like they need to figure some stuff out or like it's all going. Yeah. Like it's all going yeah. downhill. The, the the Wizards are, they were at one point first in the Eastern Conference. This is my college hometown team. Uh, so I'm yeah. a pseudo Wizards fan. Uh, they're two and eight in their last ten, and they've plummeted all the way down to the eleventh seed in the East. Not even a and Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal's getting season-ending wrist surgery too. Like he just gave up. Wait, is that true? Season. Yeah. What? Woj tweeted that before the deadline. Yeah, so Bradley feels like not even playing the rest. I don't know unless all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, guess I have Kristaps now, so maybe I won't get that surgery." But the report was like, you know, that that is they were already sliding, and he's like, "Okay, guess I'm guess I'm out," and like, like hope you guys figure some stuff out, and I'll and I'll see you next season, or or else like you know I'm gone. Like I don't I don't know. Never mind. I was about to be like, "Oh, they're about to go for a playoff push." Like, oh no. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. But so so the 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 thing is like, maybe this is enough to keep to keep. Bradley Beal around, uh, Bradley Beal around, because I think that's what it was. It was just like a long shot. The like hail mary, like maybe we can keep Bradley Beal move is is landing a guy like Kristaps Porzingis, and otherwise, like I don't think it means a whole lot for the Washington Wizards because the kind of joke is like Kristaps has not shown up much. There's just like there's just been no consistency as good and as talented as he is for stretches. Um, but on on. The Mavericks side, like they're the fifth seed in the West. They're not out of the conversation for like trying to make a deep playoff push. Um, and so does bring in some 
I, I was about to say consistent shooting, but like, I, you know, you can't say that this season from Dallas Pretends and, and Spencer Dimwitty, but hopefully at least like more consistent, like being there healthy every night and being there and like showing up and being part of the rotation and whatever, like in some leadership, some veteran leadership, some ball handling, like hopefully that's, it sounds to me that the kind of stuff they were in need of, um, it still feels like they're short on just straight up talent, like to match up with some of the other juggernauts yeah. of the NBA right now. Like it's like, it's like, it's like Devin Booker without his Chris Paul or whatever. Like I, I just, it doesn't feel like enough, but um, still, I don't know. I, fifth in the East. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's that's what I, in the West. They wanted quite a run too. Yeah. I mean, they're on a three game win streak right now. And I think, I'm not sure Chris Porzingis has played in any of those three games. So I don't know. It's interesting. I like, I'm not, I'm not sure that the fall off losing Porzingis is as big as you would think, because in a strange way, I think they're kind of used to like him not being there. I don't know. I think it's like interesting. That, the way that we, the way that we imagined this being like a duo for the future, I don't think it's really panned out. I think it's still just like viewed as Luca's team. And now he's got more like solid role players around him. He's got more depth. He's got more shooting more ball handling. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. All right. Uh, next up, let's go to definitely one of the most shocking moves of the deadline. Happened yeah. a day or two ago. Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis. There's a big package in there, but that's the headline. The Pacers include DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and a 2023 second round pick in exchange for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. I'm going to let you plug what you're going to plug. Yeah, first first and foremost, everybody should go check out the STF solo I just released. I it, it's, I'm literally recording this like an hour after I posted that STF solo because it's just been like a busy day. But you should go check it out. I talked about why Tyrese Halliburton should have been the franchise cornerstone for the Kings, uh, and they made a mistake in trading him as opposed to De'Aaron Fox. You said this was a shocking deal. I agree with you. I do think it's not surprising that these teams were looking to split up DeMontis Simonis and Miles Turner and De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. I think that they picked the wrong one in Tyrese Halliburton or De'Aaron Fox, the Kings, that is. Um, I, I think they probably, I, I don't know. I don't think they I don't think they picked Ron necessarily out of DeMontis Simonis and, and Miles Turner because I'm not sure that like Miles Turner is your franchise cornerstone anyway. I think now Tyrese Halliburton is. Um but I, I guess part of my problem with this trade as a whole is like I didn't think that these two teams would make those swaps with each other because there are two teams that are caught in no man's land that are caught in like we don't know what our direction is and like we want to be better than we are, but we're just not that good and we also don't want to rebuild. And so both of these teams made very lateral moves. Like neither of these teams are going to bottom out and neither of these teams are going to go make the playoffs. So it's like, you're both just still caught in this weird no man's land playing zone. At least though, for the, for, sorry, for the Indiana Pacers, you have this bright future of like a pick and roll, pick and pop duo of Miles Turner and, and Tyrese Halliburton. Right. And you still have Malcolm Brogdon. Right. And like, you hope that at some point TJ Warren's going to be back and, and, and things will come together. I like how much they've freed up, Miles Turner to like see what to explore like what he can be on offense and surround him with one of the best pick and roll guards in the league like already uh and one but like like the Tyree the Tyrese Halliburton like advanced stats are just awesome but like he's also just like one of the most efficient shooters in the league go check out that video like Tyrese is sick uh and I got a lot of good clips yeah. in there but, yeah. um just a moment uh listener Connor Seldom show short like 
definitely one of the best individual videos we've posted uh, in our four years. He talks over the game tape and breaks it down uh, really precisely. So I highly recommend you check that out. Um, no, I appreciate now, it. And it's, uh, it's only on YouTube. So like, so for, yeah. for anybody who's listening on, on podcasts, like go check out our YouTube channel. Uh, it doesn't really make sense for me to post that as a podcast audio too, because most of what I'm saying is referencing the video. So we'll probably yeah. post clips of that on our social medias and things like that, but just go watch the full thing on YouTube. It's like eight minutes and you won't regret it. Yeah. Uh, now that I've complimented you, let me tell you why Thank I disagree. Um, yeah. I think that the whole direction thing I think it gets overplayed a little bit now because everyone's in love with tanking or contending. I think that yes, Pacers have been in like playoff no man's land for a while being like a four or five seed getting eliminated in round one or two. But I don't think that you have to bottom out one because there's absolutely no fan base for the Pacers right now. Tickets are as low as $1. Um, and the owner honestly, for good reason, doesn't want to tank because you know, like they're just going to lose so much money. So, you know, the NBA is a business. So that's why they don't want to, you know, tanking at the first overall pick, which again, there's only a 14% chance that you get the first overall pick, even if you have the worst team in the league. Secondly, I don't know how they could have bottomed out without having a worse trade than what they got because they got a young player and they still got some other value in Buddy Heald. I think Tristan Thompson was more or less a throwaway, but I, I think, you know, getting Buddy Healed—that's still an asset that certain people want. I'm surprised they no, didn't flip uh, them in the, in the next 24 hours. I should clarify. I was mostly talking about the Kings. I do not like this deal at all for the Kings. I actually do really like it for the Pacers because I am really, really high on uh, on Tyrese Halliburton, and I and and I and I think like they got not the best player in the trade today, but by far the player with the most upside. And and he, I think, I think Tyrese projects to be like a future superstar. Yeah. Okay. So I I, I agree with that. Although. People were bashing the Kings for this so hard. I get why they made this move because, like, dude, like, but, but why yeah, Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton could be a superstar. He could also be, you know, like a slightly better Lonzo Ball uh, in that, you know, great shooter, good defender, uh, good creator, um, but not, you know, not like the one or a two on a championship team. So if you're not getting a one or a two on a championship team, if you're getting a three on a championship team. DeMontis Sabonis is a three on a championship teams, and that's a guaranteed thing. Um, and so while, again, I would rather have Tyrese Halliburton, and I like this move better for the Pacers than for the Kings, I understand why they did it. Because DeMontis Sabonis is really freaking good at basketball, as you, yeah, as you, yeah, you yeah, saw yeah. In, in last night in his in his opener for the Sacramento Kings. They beat the Minnesota Timberwolves by 20, and, and Sabonis had like 23 and, and 14 rebounds. No, he's he's awesome. Like, I, that's not to say... That's why I'm like it's a it's a lateral move though is is I guess like I think that you're if you're trying to create like upside here for the long term like I I understand basically what I'm saying is the Kings made a move here to try to be good right now and try to like win more games they missed the playoffs for the past fifteen for fifteen years I understand that but it's like you're just gonna make the play in this year and then not make it to the first round of the playoffs that's gonna be the result of this I would I would guess and I feel pretty confident saying that right. Say it again. I said they could snag the eight seed, and I, let I, me know how far that, behind they are. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm searching it right now. Right now, I just they're they're the 12 seed. They are they're five games back of the eight seed. Yeah, um, teams it, ahead of them are Trailblazers, who they're gonna fall. Pelicans, yeah. Lakers, Clippers. 
uh, Timberwolves. So you still, I, I don't know if they're gonna. Nobody's you know. dropping except for the except for the Trailblazers. I would I would think right. Sure. So like then that makes them the ten seed, right? They're they're in the plan. Any anywhere between eight and ten, right? And even if like they're in the plan, but like so are the Lakers, and they're like above the Lakers, like I would be shocked if they the Lakers lost in the plan. Dude, right. like the Lakers I, lost yesterday to the to Anthony Simon, Yusuf okay. Nurkic, and and our You're high not school wrong. varsity basketball team. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's the reason that I'm like it's just lateral for the for the Kings. It's like you're selling the the one guy on your roster who I feel like has the chance to take you to the next level. The guy who the guy has the chance to be like the face of the franchise, franchise altering, right? De'Aaron Fox is awesome. He's a 25-point-per-game scorer last year, right? He's he's really, really damn good. But in terms of, like, if you're going to go get, like, if you're going to go buy a big who's 25 years old and an all-star in Sabonis, right? Like, that's that's a damn good player. Do not do not get me wrong. Do not get me he's wrong. He's 25, too. Match him, match him with a pick-and-roll guard. That's Tyrese Halliburton. That is not De'Aaron Fox, Right? Match him with a guy who spaces the floor and is not going to interfere by like trying to drive to the basket. That's that's Tyrese Halliburton. That's not De'Aaron Fox, right? The stat that I use in that video is that Tyrese Halliburton of all players in the league this season who've taken over 300 jumpers, Tyrese Halliburton ranks sixth in effective field goal percentage. And you were the one who sent me that that graphic. It's awesome. Like Tyrese is such a good shooter. He's got such good vision. His defense is still a work in progress, but he's just so lengthy that he just like makes up for weird gambles and stuff with just his length he's awesome in transition i just think he there's like he just projects to be so good right and it's like i don't understand why sell on that in the second year when i think De'Aaron fox hasn't shown that he's like still getting better and hasn't shown the same like leaps and signs of improvement and i so like i i like it i like i like like you know, I, I guess I like the like I can see why it's an attractive idea to go try to make a push to the playoffs after you after you haven't been there in 15 years. This still isn't a playoff team. Demontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox, like, two all star caliber guys. And they, <sighs> and by the way, they they the Sacramento Kings have not had two all star caliber guys since I started watching the NBA. No, true, That's true. Like true. since That's since true. like Chris and Webber, so, right? If like, I'm a Kings fan. Yeah, I'm pissed. We got rid of like you know, probably our best individual draft pick in terms of like Darren Fox was the fifth overall pick. Tyrese was like, tw- like 12 or whatever. But you know, like I, I, I'm excited because trading for Sabonis, you just traded for the best King since DeMarcus cousins. And so just, just appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. You've traded, you trade for the best King since DeMarcus cousins, definitely the best. You, big make, man. you, you make a good point. Like that, like that's, that is true. It's just like, I don't, as a, as a guy who who's like very into like NBA philosophy and team building, it pains me to see teams just like be mediocre and like sell on the potential to be more than like mediocre. You know what I mean? I don't see the Kings with their current roster construction ever making it out of the first round of the playoffs. I could see Tyrese Halliburton being the guy to make you out of the, bring you out of the first round of the playoffs. And you just gave him to the Pacers who are a team that's like, trying to rebuild and trying to build something up, right? Like I see that as like a good situation for the Pacers, which is like they take a step back this year, maybe because they don't have Sabonis, who's an all-star caliber guy, but for the future projects their, their team projects to be better. Right. Because I think that Halliburton is that good. Um, and so I get it. I get it. It's just, here's the thing. And, 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 and well, while on the topic of tanking, because since you brought it up, like everybody should go check out the interview that we did with Jake Fisher, who is an awesome reporter and writer about about the nba 
still like right now, obviously, but we did an episode with him probably about a year ago where he talked about his book, which is all about tanking. Um, and, and so I always think of him when I, when we think, when we talk about tanking and, and he made a really good you know, case for like why tanking is so popular in the NBA right now, even as they've made the lottery odds worse for the teams at the bottom. But like, you have to remember that this Philadelphia, the Philadelphia 76ers who we're talking about is like a team that could go win the East this year, tanked for five seasons, drafted terribly, right? Like of, 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 of the, of the top picks that they had, right? It was, Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, Jalil Okafor, and Joel Embiid. One of them is on the team right now. Like, one of them is playing high-level basketball. They missed on the other three. Being at the, bo- like being at the bottom of the draft, like, you don't necessarily have to get the number one overall pick. If you put yourself in position to go get your franchise guy two, three, four seasons in a row, even if you don't draft well, eventually one of those guys is probably going to land and turn into a franchise-altering guy. That was Joel Embiid who we're talking about is like him and James Harden are about to go, you know, light the league on fire. Tyrese Halliburton, I don't think is like the number one guy on a franchise like that. Right. But if I think if you sell and if you start to rebuild and start that rebuild with Tyrese Halliburton, you end up as the 12th seed in the West. You have a chance for a top four pick. You might land somebody at the top of this draft. That's like, gonna be next the next you know Joel Embiid and even if you don't do it next this year then maybe next year Tyrese Halliburton is one year better the team is still not very good then maybe then you land that guy right but I don't think that the room for De'Aaron Fox or DeMontis Sabonis to go like be the guy that like takes you takes you where you want to be as an NBA franchise like the promised land not just mediocrity not just not sucking like I don't think De'Aaron Fox or DeMontis Sabonis is that guy. And Tyrese Halliburton probably isn't the number one guy doing that, but like as a pick and roll partner with somebody who is like, I can, I can envision that. Or as like, you know, the guy as the, as the, like the guard who's like playing with the wing, who's that, like, I can, I can see that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just a, a disagreement in philosophy, but, but I think you should either be trying to make a push to be in contention, like, like towards the, second, third rounds of the playoffs, or you should be taking a step back and try. And if you don't think you can get there, then like retooling to get there eventually. Right. And that's all with the end goal of making a championship. And your argument is more like, that's not the Pacers goal. That's not the set, the, the King's goal. They just need to build a fan base and make money. Also yeah. valid. Right. Yeah. So in that, in that way I see it, but. And so, yeah, you're like, I, I agree with most of what you're saying. Right. Yeah. I just also, think that it's not the only way especially in like a in like a real life world with like you know like actual consequences and and needs to fulfill and also you know you can you can add guys via smart uh moves around the perimeter like the grizzlies they didn't tank like they i'm pretty sure they they didn't have like a top three out they they moved up in the draft and they were bad for one year uh, and then they got John Morant, and now they've just yeah, moved but, around the edges. But it, that's what I'm saying is you need to go land your John Morant. The the yeah. Kings aren't going to land their John Morant while being the the like you know the tenth the tenth seed in the West or the or the eighth seed in the West, right? Like you need to be a bottom three seed in your conference, like most likely, or you just need to get incredible lottery luck, which happens, right? Like the Pelicans landed Zion when they had like a four percent chance in the first overall pick. It happens. But to give yourself the best shot, like you got to be pretty, pretty low in the, in the, in the, in the rankings. And then, so like 
this is this is getting a little bit off topic, but I'm glad that we're talking about it because I think this is a really interesting conversation. But I, I I think that the the way that I view that like the NBA championship building philosophy right now is that you have to go get your franchise guy. We I mentioned Joel Embiid. You just brought up John Morant, right? It's, it's a Luka Doncic. It's Giannis. Like you're in the lottery, you suck. You find out you find that one guy, and and in another case is the Suns. The Suns, even though they were only the thirteenth, they they only got the thirteenth pick. They landed Devin Booker in the lottery. Once you land your your lot, once you find a guy in the lottery that is your franchise guy, then you start drafting guys that that are probably a little bit older and a little bit more proven. A Cam Johnson, a Mikel Bridges, towards again towards the end of the lottery that are maybe their third fourth year of coming out of college, but that you know exactly what you're getting, right? Like Mikel Bridges won two national championships with Villanova came into the league and was already one of the best perimeter defenders and three-point shooters that the league has to offer. And he's so he so he's still, I think, on his rookie contract and about to like be on or maybe he's like his extension is just kicking in, something like that. Right. But like you just went to the finals with Mikel Bridges as your starting small forward while he was on his rookie contract. And he was like, you know, fit seamlessly. He didn't look like a young guy out there. He looked like he belonged. And so I think I think the championship building formula right now right and maybe this maybe the Suns are a weird example because they have deandre and they have uh devin booker but i think the formula is you land your franchise guy maybe you land your franchise two guys in the lottery you then you draft some older guys around them who are on rookie contracts but ready to go and then you just have to get somebody via trade or if you get somebody via free agency right so the the Suns landed their chris paul right or like the the hawks have been doing this with trey young right where like you landed you landed trey young in the top five and now you're doing the moves around the edges to surround them. But but you have to get your franchise guy with most of the time a top five pick. Yeah, and to Even, your point, free agency is not really an option for either yeah. the Pacers or the Kings, right? Yeah. It's the option for five, maybe ten teams in, in the NBA. Yep. Because yep. big markets are a thing. Uh, and we're yeah. spoiled to have that as a Knicks fan, even though it hasn't really worked in our favor. Uh, yeah. So I understand what you're saying, and I, I agree. Um. I'm just not faulting the Kings too heavily given the context that they haven't made the roster in 15 years or they haven't made the playoffs in 15 years, not making the playoffs in 15 years. And then saying to your fan base, Hey, we're going to try to intentionally be bad. <laughs> like I, I would be, I would be heated as a, as a Kings fan. Uh, so I understand. And I feel like most people are not as uh, philosophical as us about, about constructing NBA rosters. You're right. You're right. I guess I, I, I see Tyrese Halliburton as a guy, if I'm a Pacers fan, that I'm like, wow, like he's our future, right? Like I can I can see Tyrese Halliburton being a face of a franchise. I can't really see that for De'Aaron Fox or DeMondis Bonus. And I hope they prove me wrong. I really I do. They prove you wrong too. Right. Um, but next, next trade up, we have CJ McCollum uh, getting traded to the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, the whole package is CJ McCollum, Larry Nance, and Tony Snell going from the Blazers to the Pelicans. Uh, in exchange for Josh Hart, Tomas Sadaransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Didi Luzada, um, and then I believe there are two second there are two uh, second round picks and a protected first round pick going to Portland. Yeah, this one this one's interesting because I, I I think that the idea behind it is that Zion is going to come back at some point this season in time for him, Brennan Ingram, and now CJ McCollum to make a playoff push. Pretty, I don't know. Pretty exciting. Like I, the, the problem I with so. it is like that's a that's a big if. That's a big if. Um, 
yeah. The, in, we were in no position to speculate the timeline of Zion. So we're just going to no. have to wait and see. Like we, yeah, you know, no, no, we are, we are yeah, exactly. We're in wait and see mode. And it's exciting. Cause like, like, I hope, I hope that Zion's back and I hope they do make that playoff push because I think that a healthy Zion is a top 10 player in the NBA. And so you give him another all-star in Brandon Ingram on the wing and now a competent like veteran guard. Like that's a, that's a recipe for a pretty good team. Jonas Valanciunas fits well next to Zion and Devontae Graham, like, is a good three-point shooter. And I don't have that much else positive to say about Devontae Graham, but like, oh. like he's a, but he's like, like, cause mostly because he, he's compared to Lonzo ball, right? Like that's, that's the, that's yeah. the downside. Um, I also think for the Pelicans, like you were able to get CJ McCollum for a very low asking price because the Blazers should have traded him two years ago. They should have, man. They, they should have, traded, example, like we've been saying this, right? Like you just waited too long. Way too long. You, you just waited too long. long. The, the value goes down. CJ's dealt with injuries. I don't know how old he is, um, but I think age is starting to become a little bit of a factor. Uh, yeah, and oh. you know, it's just it, it's a it's a question mark of of, of what happens. Um, who was a current example um, of what happens when you wait too long? Uh, maybe Ben Sim. I was thinking Bradley Beal uh, when when we were feeling out what the trade value for Bradley Beal is. Like you know, like. Now he's now he's playing a lot worse than last year, or Julius Randle, and now he's playing a lot worse than last year. And so deals that were on the table last year are no longer on the table, and you you're the Washington Wizards throwing your arms up, wishing you had that last year. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what a good. I'm, I'm having trouble with another like equivalent example, but I guess the deal is that like a lot of people are, I think, saying you didn't get equal value back for, for CJ McCollum, which is true, which is true if you're the Blazers. But like, that's not how the NBA works, right? The same thing that I said, it's, it's all situational and like contextual, right? The same thing is true for the, for the Philadelphia 76ers. The way that I said, like Brooklyn won the trade. Brooklyn got more value in the trade. The same way that here, the Pelicans got more value in the trade. But like, if you're the Blazers or if you're the, uh, if you're the 76ers, like, it's not necessarily a loss if it's like you really had to make that decision and that was the best option that was available to you. If the if the if the Blazers really just had no better offers on the table, which why would they not make this trade if there were a better offer on the table, right? Like NBA GMs are really smart dudes. Like they're not like like I don't I don't understand why fans are like, how did you not get equal value back for CJ McCollum? It's like it's situational. Like you have the to think about like the price. Exactly. The market determines the price. Like how many teams out there are there out there that both want CJ McCollum and that can offer you something that's like CJ McCollum, right? Like the Lakers would have taken CJ McCollum, but like for what? Like the tail and Horton Tucker and a pick package. And but like, like I'm not contracts are a thing too. You have to, yeah. Like I'm not getting, ex- I'm not getting excited about that. You know what I mean? Like, so, and, and then also you, and then also you're like giving him to the Lakers who are like a contender to go like win the championship. So why would you give him to the Lakers anyway? I don't know, like, and that's assuming that you could even pull that off. Like, I'd have to, like, you'd have to, exactly, like, pull up the NBA trade machine and, like, see if that, see if the, you can make the contracts match. But I, I also, th- exactly what you're saying is true. Like, the market term is the price and that the, the value of CJ McCollum, regardless of what you think it is, as, like, a fan when you're watching and seeing how good he is, is only what the rest of the league is, like, willing to bid for him. Yeah, and it, just to emphasize that this wasn't, like, some panicked rush move, like, honestly, like, the, like the Harden thing could have been. It's not like yeah. he requested a trade, you know, four hours before the deadline. This was a premeditated thing. Uh, 
Damon CJ, <coughs> Damon CJ both came out uh, saying like, you know, we knew this day would come. Uh, it's been a long time coming, but you know, it still feels awful. Um, so this wasn't. I'm I'm sure people in the in the Blazers organization knew this was happening. It was so obvious that I read a report saying that CJ helped hand negotiate the trade. The Pelicans, yeah, which is kind of awesome, by the way. CJ McCollum is like I love is one of my favorite NBA players. I've talked about this on the pod before because he's just like this really smart guy. Uh, he studied journalism at Lehigh rigorously. It's not like he was just a student athlete, but really just an athlete. Uh, and and he's the head of the uh, NBA Players Association. He's the president. He took over Chris Paul's mm-hmm. reign. So he's a really smart guy. And for him to like help orchestrate his own trade, that shows loyalty to Portland. That shows um, you know ability for him. It shows flexibility on the Portland in the Portland management that you know we're going to do right by this guy. Help him pick where he wants to go. Um, maybe yeah. criticizing them for that, but I, I don't really see much wrong with that. No, I think that a big thing in the NBA is like trying to do right by your guys, like the guys who have been loyal to you, like trying to do right by them back. Like I, and I really respect that from an organization. <coughs> Another thing to mention though is, as I'm blanking on what the guy's name is, but he's the interim GM for the for the Trailblazers right now. They they fired Neil O'Shea earlier this season, and then have proceeded to make two of the biggest trades, or like a few of the couple of the biggest trades in their franchise's history. In that they're like hitting total like reset right now around Dame. Um, like, like this is a huge, like, direction-changing move. Speaking of, like, the directions that we were talking about earlier, like, you're totally changing yourself up from from a team that was, like, in the Western Conference Finals a couple of years ago. Or I don't know if it was the Western – was it the Western – it wasn't the Western Conference Finals. It was, it was second round. When they when they hit the – when James hit the, like, walk-off shot against the Thunder. Um, that was you – know, you're going from that team that's making a deep playoff push to a team that's, like, in full rebuild mode and that has basically no – rotational NBA players outside of outside of Damian Lillard who's out for the season right like that's a huge change to make all while you haven't officially named somebody as your as your GM and then to, to build off of that like I think I think part of the part of the reason that I can, I can see why Trailblazers fans are so upset because right now your team has you've you've sold everything and gotten very little in terms of like young talent or like legit rotational guys in return like the best guy that you got in return in any of these trades is josh hart who i'm a huge fan of because i like i like watched a lot of villanova with mikhail Bridges and josh hart and jalen brunson and all of them like i love i love josh hart if he's the best player you're getting back in, in return for cj mccollum as i mentioned earlier you're losing value right it's and- insane to me that they traded cj mccollum robert covington who honestly he doesn't really have that much value anymore um, yeah and norman powell and Larry and Larry Nance. Nance. He's a great role player. Yeah. And you got back one protected first round pick. Yeah. And and by the way, no they they birds. They traded away Gary Trent to get Norman Powell. They traded away a first round pick to get Robert Covington. And they traded away a first round pick to get Larry Nance. That's that's the thing that if you're if you're a Trailblazers fan, I think even more upset than you should be about like the returns that you're getting right now. I think I think the reason to be frustrated is that you bought high and you sold low. You bought high because you were desperate because Damian because you wanted to build a contender around Damian Lillard who is disgruntled and so you're like we have to be good right now let's sell all our future first round picks and be good now. Things things went haywire, it didn't really work out, the team wasn't good anyway, and then you hit the panic button again and said, "Okay, now let's sell everything before it's too late." But now you're selling low while none of those guys have value. And while 
none of the other teams around the league are like bidding up those guys. You know what I mean? And so while you paid first round picks to get all those guys, you're not getting first round picks in return. And that's why I say I'm a big believer in like the direction thing is. and, And like, I think that, I think that like, if you're the, if you're the trailblazers from like two years ago, it's like, maybe you have to look at the fact that like you have Damon CJ and you're going to be like, okay, like, can we ever really escape the kind of purgatory that we're in of like, we're good, but we have a small backcourt that like can't really defend. And like, they're not as the one, two punch enough to like win us a championship or make the Western conference finals. Like you kind of have to look at that and say, okay, maybe it's time to change something up. Like, not like, like, I guess like proactively rather than reactively. Cause I think when you start acting reactively to Dame, then all of a sudden being upset, that's, that's when you're like, okay, let's panic buy and, and trade all our first round picks. And then when he's goes after the season with an abdominal injury, you're sitting low in the standings. You're barely going to make the playoffs or the plan. And it's like, okay, now let's panic sell. It's like when you panic, when you get desperate and when you make the decision to pick a direction when it's too late and when you're forced into it, I think that's when you, lose value the most yeah and, and just for the record like it is so easy for us to sit here and say that yeah in hindsight yeah like that's like you know there's always like the the meme tweet about like man you know if i was in the stock market you know i would just like buy the stocks when they were low and then i would just sell them at a higher price like oh yeah like, stop that i want to write not that, that easy like, that's game changing advice it totally not that easy you only know you bought high and you sold low in hindsight you only know you know it didn't work out in hindsight Three years ago, it's there's no pressing event to make the Trailblazers look hard in the mirror and say, you know, we should trade our second best player who's a fringe all star every year. Like there's no there's nothing, you know, pressing their movements day to day to do that. It's just in hindsight, you know, every moment was precious that they could have, you know, pulled the trigger and didn't. Man, I really love this episode, well, which is just like a trade deadline recap has turned into like basketball philosophy with the Connors. Um, that's that's like that's really fun. And I, and I, I think we like we both made good cases for for I don't know, in, in defense and in criticism of of these teams. I, I think like we started off the episode kind of talking about it, but like this was a really fun trade deadline. Like like there's just a lot of like good stuff to talk about. And like this is part of the reason we love the NBA because we are going to wake up tomorrow and the day after watching guys and, and like being getting ready to watch guys make their debuts for teams and like that Brooklyn Nets team and that Philadelphia 76ers team like like those are new teams you know what i mean like yeah. they're the same teams like maybe the same best player but like totally different rosters right and like very different teams that are going to be out there competing like for a championship potentially so it's like it really spices the NBA up and it's just like, it's a fun time of the year. And so I'm, I'm glad we've been pumping out content and, and, and having a good time with it. I agreed, man. Crazy deadline. This is one of my favorite episodes. Uh, and thank yeah. you all so much for watching. Uh, if you enjoyed this video on YouTube, please leave it a like and subscribe. We're also on Apple podcasts and Spotify. So go follow us there. Follow us on Instagram at space, the floor podcast and on Twitter at space, the floor. And thank you so much. My name is Connor Gillen. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to Tyrese Halliburton.